0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church, and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Uh, I want to continue what I started last week. Last week, we looked at uh, finding hope. Today, I wanna look at finding peace in keeping with our Finding Christmas theme. As I said last week, I think Christmas and the meaning and the significance of Christmas has been somewhat lost because of commercialism and political correctness and religious tolerance and all those things. But Christmas is a time and has its origins in the birth of Jesus Christ. It's when the infinite became an infant. Christmas was not the time that Jesus was born. It's the time He came to planet Earth. He was alive. He was around from the very beginning of time. Jesus was there at the moment of creation. When the world was being formed and all that is in it, Jesus was there. He was already around. But 2000 years ago, He came as a gift to us, as a personalised person, Packaged gift to you and I as a plan of God's redemption and salvation for humanity. And I, for one, am eternally grateful for that. And what I love about Jesus, when you find Jesus, you find other things as well, such as hope, which is what we spoke about last week, such as peace, which is what we're going to speak about today, and things like joy, which we're going to speak about next week. Jesus truly is the gift that keeps us on giving, amen? And so we're gonna look at finding peace today because this I know, I've been to enough, sorry, I've seen enough beauty pageants, at least on television anyway, and I know this, that every beauty pageant contestant wants world peace. And I think that would reflect in this room, we all want world peace. Would that be fair to say you want world peace? Stacey Bruin, you want world peace? Yeah, yeah. Derek, you want world peace? See, I'm right, aren't I? Dan, do you want world peace? Absolutely. Mrs. Jones, do you want world peace? Yes. You could be a beauty pageant. You, there we go. Tim, you want world peace? Everyone wants world peace. The trouble is we can't even get peace in our inner world, yeah. Yeah. let alone this whole world. I don't know if I have faith for this whole world to have peace, but let's just start with our inner world for a moment. Can we do that this morning? As we talk about finding peace, I wanna talk about finding that inner peace. Everyone wants peace. The trouble is at Christmas time, it doesn't really help us find peace, even though the message of Christmas is about peace. We even sing about peace. We decorate our homes with a message of peace. But when you go shopping, you see anything but peace. You see road rage and you see trolley rage. I mean, you know, trying to get a park at this time of year is impossible. I've got a special park at Tea Tree Plaza. It's not a legal park, but it's a special park that only I know about. And so when everyone else is frantically looking for a park, I know where to go. I've got my own little park. And I kind of let Dan in on the secret because he was with me the other day. And it's just right there. So don't back off. That's my park. All right. See, the piece is gone already. I mean, it's just just crazy. But such is life at this time. So I want to quickly ask a question or two of you to see if I'm speaking to the right people this morning. Question number one is simply this. Are you always in a hurry? You didn't have to answer, but thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Number two, is your to-do list always unrealistically long? Do you use your days off to catch up with unfinished work? Has more than one person ever told you to slow down? Calm your farm? No? Do you ever feel guilty when you try to relax? It's one thing finding time to relax, but when you actually have that time, actually relaxing and not feeling guilty. Am I talking to the right people this morning? Yeah. I should be doing something. I should, I should be doing something. Number six, do you have to get sick to take time off? By and large, as people, I think we're far too busy. And we have our undue pressure and stress as a result. And if we're not careful, it leads to breakdowns and people burning out. And this is not the life that Jesus intended us to live. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, not burnout. That you might have life with a capital L, not a nervous breakdown. But life to the max, life to the full, life with a capital L, well-rounded, holistic life. That's what He wants for you. It's what He wants for me. It's what He wants for all of His people. Someone once said, if you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. In Psalm 127 verse 2 it says it is senseless for you to work so hard from early morning till late at night. God wants his loved ones to get their proper rest. See God is interested in your rest. He's interested in your recreation or your recreation. He wants you and I to live a whole, everyone say whole. whole. He wants us to live a whole, well-balanced and complete life. He doesn't want us to be working all the time. You see, even God rested. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, it says, For in six days God made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Why did God rest? I want you to know after six days of creating all that is seen that we know of and that is unseen, God was not worn out. God just spoke. It wasn't like God was frantically working and now he was tired after six days. Oh my God, I'm stuffed. Then I go, God just spoke, but he wasn't worn out. So you have to ask yourself, why did He Himself rest? The conclusion I've come to is that He has set us an example yeah. as a pattern to follow. Yeah, that's good. That we need to rest as God modelled to us in His resting on the seventh day. The trouble is some people think, if I give my life to God, He's going to give me so much to do. And I don't have time, I'm already struggling with what I have to do right now. But I believe if you really give your life to Christ, He's probably not gonna add more to your life. He's probably actually gonna take some things off of you in order to slow you down. I think God wants to strip away some of our things and our thoughts in order to slow us down, that we might experience some of the life that He intended us to have. And so today, I wanna look at God's prescription for pressured people. And God's prescription for precious people is to relax. And I wanna use the word relax as an acronym to help us understand God's method and pattern for us to follow. So using the word relax as an acronym number 1, the R stands for to realize my worth. In order for us to find peace, we have to realize our worth. The reason most people overwork is because they confuse their work and their worth. Yeah. We think that if we work a whole lot, achieve a whole lot, then we'll be worth a whole lot. And we tend to confuse who we are with what we do. When you're meeting someone for the very first time, 99% of the time you'll ask two questions. The first question will be something like this. Hello, what's your name? And you'll find out the person's name. And the second question goes something like this. What do you do? We, we seldom say, hey man, you look fantastic. I love your hair. You look so happy. The, the very next thing we say after finding out who they are, we ask them what they do. And I wonder if subconsciously we ask those questions to find out whether or not we're going to befriend them based upon what they do, based upon their worth. And say, well, actually, uh, I'm unemployed and I've got a bit of a problem here and a bit of a problem there. And, uh, okay, cool. Check out. And we confuse our worth as a person with what we do. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says that you are worth it no matter what you are doing right now or no matter what you are not doing right now. Some of you may have been told as a young person Maybe it was written by a teacher on your report card, you will amount to nothing, you're a nobody. And we've used that as motivation, which in and of itself isn't all bad, but the trouble is it can be misleading. And we can use that as motivation to show them. I'll show them that I'm somebody. I'll show them that I'm something. I'm show them, I'll show them how, how valuable I really am. And so we give ourselves to working and studying And earning lots and lots of money. And when our net worth is significant, we feel that our self-worth is significant. And we said, I'll show them. But the trouble is, we don't have to show anybody anything. Because the Bible already says we are a somebody. That we're not a nobody. And if somebody says that you're a nobody, they've been misinformed. They don't know what God knows about you. In James chapter 1, verse 18, it says, God decided to give us life through the word of truth so that we might be the most important of all things He made. See, see you matter to God. That, that's the simple yeah. message of Christmas. I say this every year. The, the simple message of Christmas is this, that you matter to God. Yeah. Every person on the planet matters to God. Of all the forms of creation that can be seen today, you are the most important of all His creation. You are the pinnacle of His creation. The Bible says that we as human beings are the apple of His eye. You know, I'm not an animal hater, but I wouldn't call myself an animal lover either. And I'm not a tree or a conservation hater, but I wouldn't call myself a conservation. Conver- conservationist. conservationist, that's what I'm trying to say. Conversationalist. Conservationist. And I'm not saying it should be cruel to you know animals like dogs and you know seals and 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 whales. You shouldn't go around clubbing baby seals. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not condoning that. Cats are another story. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you should go and you know. You know cut down all the trees and, 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 and ruin the environment. I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a, you know, for that. But it never ceases to amaze me that some people can show so much love for an animal or a tree or the environment and yet treat people so badly. Jesus did not go on the cross for a dog, least of all a cat. I mean, I love my dog, I do. And anyone who knows me uh, knows I love my dog and, and he turned two. His birthday is the 11th of the 12th, 13th. 11, 12, 13. So it's really easy to remember. And so he just turned two and we love our dog. He's amazing. He's awesome. But you know what? He's not going to heaven. He may just get to hell, but he's not going to heaven. <laughs> God did not create animals the same way He created you and I. With you and I, He breathed His Spirit into us. We are the apple of His eye. We, we have worth just in being who we are. And so whatever vocation you take, I, I trust it's in keeping with who God has made you, not based upon what people think you should do, based upon the value of the income that you'll receive. And I think there'd be a lot more peace if we just got in the slipstream of God, recognised our God shape, recognised our giftings and got jobs accordingly. I remember a, a friend of mine who became a lawyer. She hated it. She was very creative by nature and all she ever wanted to do is just design clothes. But she became a lawyer because her mum said, that, that's a good job to have and you'll get more money doing that than doing the other thing you want to do. Just treated what she was doing before was just a hobby. But she never found satisfaction in what vocation she chose because it wasn't in keeping with who God had made her to be. And she chose it out of a net worth scenario as opposed to understanding I'm already worth something yeah. Yeah. Good. and making a decision based on that. I think if we understand and realise our worth, it'll bring pr- peace this Christmas. God says you're okay. God says you're worth it. You may have been told that you were a mistake. God says that's not true. God doesn't make mistakes. I've said this many times before, but you are beautiful. you need to be able to look in the mirror and, and declare your beauty because God does not make ugly things. God does not make uh, things by accident or by chance. You are purposefully made. You are made in the image of God and you are worth it. You're so worth it. Jesus came and He died for you. That's how worth it you are. Secondly, The E is enjoy what I already have. We are often more aware of what we don't have than what we do have. And so as a result, we never really enjoy what we do have because we're always worried about what we don't have. And this Christmas, I want to say, actually, you know what? Enjoy what you do have. And even if somebody doesn't get you anything this Christmas, guess what? You've already got enough. Your garage is full of stuff. If you get nothing this year, go into the garage and get some stuff out. Yeah. Just tell everyone, look what I got. No one's going to even remember that you got it last year or the last. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Just go dig out the lawnmower. I got a lawnmower. <laughs> We've got so much stuff in our lives. In Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse thirteen, it says, "All of us should." enjoy what we have worked for. It is God's gift. So many of us are so preoccupied, as I've already said, with getting more, we don't enjoy what we have. Probably the best illustration of this is kids at Christmas, of which we will see again this Christmas, I'm sure. Do you know why kids open their presents so fast? Because they can't wait to open the next present. That's what this is about. You know what? My prayer this Christmas is that my kids can open a present and look at it for at least five seconds and enjoy it for at least five seconds before saying, where's my next one? And that when they've opened all their presents under the tree, they can enjoy it at least for half an hour before they say, can we go around auntie so-and-so's and uncle so-and-so's because I want to get more presents. Which is probably a reflection of my childhood when I was a kid. And I think it highlights to us that we're never quite satisfied with what we have. Get some kid a bike, oh, that's amazing. What else is there? You'd think a bike would just keep it happy for years. You, 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 get a, you get a new phone these days and oh, wow, that's fantastic. And you know what, when you're on your new phone and your smartphone and your Google, you're like, what's this? There's a new phone coming out. Oh, I want that one. We've got to enjoy what we already have. We must overcome our desire to acquire. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, What good would it do if I get everything you want and you lose you, the real you? So we need to realise our worth. We need to enjoy what we already have. And thirdly, we need to limit our labour. Limit our labour. We must decide to make time for other things besides work. We must decide how many hours we realistically want to spend each week working and stick to it. michi has got himself a little job and uh, because he's young and obviously quite inexpensive to hire and he's good at what he does, they're forever asking him to work more. And we've had to have this chat with him. How much do you want to work in the context of being at school, in having time for yourself, and time for your friends, and time for the Lord, and time for practicing your guitar, and all those things? We have to to weigh that up. Because if it's just about money, you say yes all the time. And so yesterday morning... He had a seven o'clock shift as per normal on a Saturday and he was going to 12. Now we know every time he goes into work, they're going to ask him to work longer. We get phone calls all the time. Can Mitchie come in? Can Mitchie come in? Can come, come in? And I said, Mitch, we need a cold light of day sentence. I need you to, this is kind of a, a side, but you need to get this. Every one of us need to have decisions made in the cold light of day. And we need to have a sentence around that decision so that when we are faced with the pressure of the moment, we already know what we're going to say. So I said, Mitch, they're going to ask you, come 12 o'clock, they're going to ask you sometime on your shift, can you work till three? We know that. So what are you going to say to them? He said, I'm going to tell them that our water world night was actually at lunchtime, so I can't go. <laughs> I said, good thinking. Lying, but good thinking. Is there another uh, reason? Is there another... So we kind of shaped the reasoning and and, and came up with something that we felt comfortable with that he could just go and sure enough, they asked him, he said, I've got this on, done. See, I I think it's really important that we have those things settled before the pressure comes. If you haven't settled something in the cool light of day, you're not gonna settle it in the heat of battle. Or for all of our young single ones, you you gotta settle your boundaries In the cool light of day, not in the heat of passion of night. The the times we've had to deal with young people have gone further than they wanted to go. I don't know what happened. I said, "Uh, Were you at home alone? Yes. But it just happened. You just just happened to be at home alone and it just happened. It didn't happen. It didn't just happen. There was a series of decisions that were not made in the cool light of day. See, the reason that Joseph could run when confronted by Potiphar's wife is because he said, there's no way I'm gonna sleep with, with, with my boss's wife. There's no way, no matter what she does, I'm not gonna do that. How could I do that? He says, to God, to my boss and me. It's called 3D honesty. We need to get real at a 3D level with God, with others and ourselves. How could I do such a thing to God? How could I do such a thing to my boss? How could I do such a thing to me? I love me. I'm awesome. He settled that. And so she can flutter her eyelids. She can unbutton her top. She can do a little dance. She can put on the perfume and the music. And He's already settled it. If you haven't settled it, before that moment, before the perfume and the lights and the music and the little wiggle, You're gone. Don't tell me it just happened. You're gone. Women have power. And you have to settle in the cool line of day. They're not going to have power over me. Got to settle it. How could I do such a thing to God? How could I do such a thing to that young lady? How could I do such a thing to that man's... Wife, how can I do such a thing to my boss? And you know what? I'm better than that. How can I do such a thing to me? we we got to settle some things. And before you get a promotion, because you know what? We're praying that you get a job. We pray. And as Christians, we should be good at our job, which means you're going to get a promotion. And, and so we need to make, in the cool light of the day, not be so, not find our worth in the promotion. That's why all these are tied in. I'm already worth something. I've already set the limits to my labour. I know I'm going to get promoted because I'm good at what I do. But I've set the limits. Don't get flattered when you get a promotion. I'm believing every one of you will get a promotion. You should. Because Christians should work better and harder than anybody. We shouldn't be the ones getting unemployed because we're lazy. We shouldn't be the ones who are getting retrenched because, you know what, they just didn't do their job. You know what? There's people who swear and drink, but that, that, they conduct themselves better at work than the Christians. That, that shouldn't be happening. When there's a promotion going, I'd expect someone in this church to get the job. But we have to work out actually, is it what we want? And if we've settled the fact that we are worth something already, that I don't need this promotion, doesn't make me feel any better about myself. And taking that promotion, while it's flattering, thank you, but it's going to mean more demand on my life and my kids, and I'm just not. Up for that in this season of my life we've got to limit our Good. labor as I've already mentioned in Exodus chapter 20 verse 9 it says you have six days in which to do your work but on the seventh day it'll be a day that you rest and dedicate to me says the Lord as he already set that example to us the question is what does that Sabbath day rest looks like look like for us well to me it can be many things but it should be rest for the body if you don't take time to rest your body, your body will make time to rest itself, either in hospital or with a cold or a flu or some form of sickness. It's amazing that in Psalm 23 it says, He makes me lay down. It sounds, it sounds nice, doesn't it? He makes me lay down. But, but sometimes I think that looks like He makes me lay down just with sickness. Just, we, just, we just worked ourselves to a point of being sick. He makes us lay down. It shouldn't have to come to that. We need to rest our bodies. One of my concerns this Christmas is as we go on our holidays, we're going to want to do everything and see everything. Particularly if you're going to Queensland, as many of you are. And if you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to Queensland. My word to you is just just jump in their suitcase and just surprise them when you get there. All right. But I know so many people that go overseas or interstate or some other parts of this beautiful state that we live in and and, and they just fill their time doing things. Whenever we've been to Queensland, we say one world. There's like a thousand worlds up there. And Australia Zoo. There's lots of things to do up there. And we say, you're just going to go to one. I just think it's a dying art. We've We've lost the art of resting. Jesus knew what it was to rest in Matthew or well, Mark chapter 1 verse 35, he would just get up early in the morning, and just go and rest and be with the Father. Then a few hours later, the disciples, where are you? Jesus, where are you? Everyone's looking for you. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's why I'm here. People often ask me, why do you get up so, you're so disciplined, Tony? Can you get up at 5:30. Why, why do you get up so early? Because it's quiet. Three kids in the home, it's the only time I know how to get some quiet. Just do what you've got to do. It's so amazing. I don't know if I look tanned in the, under these lights. But everyone says, is that, is that tan fake? Apparently you can't even get a tan these days. This is, this is what you can get when you actually just sit by a pool for half an hour and do nothing. Just rest. Just rest. Your body needs resting. can't always be on the go. What does a Sabbath day rest look like? It looks like... Resting your body. It looks like recharging your emotions. You need quietness to recharge your emotions. You need recreation to recharge your emotions. I'm a real believer in a holistic approach to life. And I'm not perfect, and I haven't mastered this, but it's certainly been a signature theme to my life. Because I believe whatever you neglect, you'll lose. And that's why we did our series more recently, body, soul, and spirit. And our soul is our will, our mind, and our emotions. And every area needs rest. And if we don't have rest in every one of those areas, we're going to burn out. And the last one is we need to refocus your spirit. So we need to rest our body, recharge your emotions, and refocus your spirit. This is what the Bible calls worship. I do believe in tithing, my finances. I believe tithing is not Old Covenant or New Covenant. I believe it's an eternal principle. I believe in giving the first fruits to God is an eternal principle. But I also believe that crosses over to our time. Do you know if you tithe the 10th of your time, it would be 17 hours a day? 17 hours a week. And so in keeping with that, to think that you could get up and have half an hour with God every day reading your Bible and to get to a small group and to get to church regularly those things alone, and then serve in an area. It doesn't even get close to the 17 hours. Can I just put that out there? It's amazing to me that when we are so tired, we look at our church attendance as the reason why we're tired. And yet we just got all these hours working. It's like church or church disciplines, anything to do with our spirit, it's the first thing to go. And there's a lot of people that are disgruntled with a lot of churches about all the work they had to do. But if you actually did a stock take of how many hours that looked like in a week versus how many hours they did working and other things, I I think when it comes to refreshing our spirit, it'd be the smallest part. And that's usually the first thing to go. So I, I would say keep a healthy discipline when it comes to our time in order to refresh our spirit. Even now, you know, if you worked on Sunday, you get double time, it's quite tempting. In actual fact, even if you had a Monday to Friday job to get another job just to work on a Sunday to get double time, its quite, if you're just about the money, it's quite enticing. But there comes a time we have to put aside and say, I'm going to give my time to God. And even though it may cost me financially, it's going to reward me spiritually. It's going to reward me emotionally. Number four, which is the A, adjust my values. We have to look at what is most important. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 4 says, I've learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because they envy the things their neighbors have. We make a decision not to get caught up. So make a decision not to get caught up in the rat race. And as Cass so wonderfully said only a few weeks ago, remember this that if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. We have to adjust our values a good question to ask yourself is, is it worth it? And we need to ask that question of every area in our lives. The extra money that can get your kids to a better school, which may equal you spending less time with your kids, is that worth it? One thing I'll thank my mum and dad for, forever and a day, is the decision they made for my mum not to work. That meant that we lived in a certain part of Adelaide and not another part of Adelaide. It meant that we drove a certain car and not other types of cars. But I'll be forever grateful that every day of my life as a young kid growing up, mum was there. And on the few occasions where I was actually sick and couldn't get to school, to have my mum there was a wonderful privilege. To have my dad there. Do you know my dad used to get up every morning and cook egg, bacon and beans for me and my brother before we went to school? My dad did that. I don't know why he didn't make us do it, but he just did it. I'd be very grateful for that, that he was there for those moments. You know, we used to catch two buses to school and two buses from, uh, from school, so four buses every day and so my mum would pick us up at the bus stop just to be there for us, just to drive us down the road. It wasn't a, it wasn't a far walk, but she figured we'd, we'd, we'd been long enough and she wanted to get us home as quick as possible. So she was always there waiting for us. I thank God for that. It's a little thing. Yeah. But in that little drive to our home, mum would ask us, how was your day? What did you get up to? Get in any fights? No. And you know what? I think if you was to ask them, Do they have any regrets? Do they wish they'd earned more money? I don't think they'd say yes. I think they'd say, I wish more people would make a similar decision. What's most valuable? We say, but today you've got to work. You've got to have a mum and a dad at work. Maybe that's true, or maybe it's true because of the lifestyle we've adopted. I'll leave that with you. And as the band come up, my last point is simply this. The E is exchange my pressure for God's peace. This gets to the root of our stress. See, there's three types of fatigue. There's physical fatigue, emotional fatigue, and there's spiritual fatigue. Physical fatigue is when we're tired physically. Our muscles are tired, but they can be replenished. There's emotional fatigue where we're tired emotionally in our feelings. And then there's a spiritual fatigue where we have a dry spirit. And it's this that's the deepest. See, you may need a vacation. You've come to the end of the year, I need a vacation. And, you, and that may be true for you. But a vacation won't help you. Or should, let me say this, a vacation alone won't help you emotionally or spiritually it may help you physically but it won't help you alone emotionally or spiritually you need more than just time off to recharge your emotions and focus your spirit you actually need an ongoing alive vibrant relationship with God himself you know in romans chapter 5 verse 1 It says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It talks about a peace with God. And every one of us in this room can have peace with God. And that comes through accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The moment we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have peace with God. But then in Philippians, it also talks about the peace of God. And the peace of God comes through obedience to what God's will, His words, and His ways. So you can't fight God and expect to have the peace of God. You can't ignore His Word, not have any daily disciplines, say no to tithing, say no to generosity, say no to forgiveness, say no to all those biblical principles, and then expect to have peace, the peace of God. You might have peace with God through His Son, Jesus, but to have the peace of God, it comes through a living, active, daily walking with Him. You want the peace of God? You've got to walk with God. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden had the peace of God. They walked with Him. In the cool of the evening, they would walk with Him. And then they sinned and they ate from the tree that they should not have eaten from. And guess what? They lost the peace and they were hiding. The peace of God left them when they stopped walking with God. You want the peace of God? you got to walk with God. You, you can't just and I, and I feel so many and, and I feel like the Pentecostal church has been so guilty of this. We, we've got a response from people to have the peace with God through accepting Jesus and we, we ram a Bible down their throat and we give them some information and we put them through a Bible class and they've got peace with God and then they just live their own way. That's not the relationship that God had in mind in sending His Son. Jesus had such intimacy with the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I I only do what I see my Father doing. There was such intimacy, there was such closeness. And that should be true for us. That there's an intimacy and a closeness that we have with the Father that what He does, we do. What he says, we say. say. It's not just enough to have peace with God. That's that's where it starts. If you're not connected with God, if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, it starts with you accepting him. And the Bible says you will have peace with God. And it'll be the first time ever. Your soul will find peace for the first time ever when you accept Jesus Christ into your life. For the first time ever, your soul will breathe a sigh of relief of God. (sighs) But to have that peace ongoing, you've got to walk with Him. And it's only as you walk with Him that you have the peace of God. The Bible talks about peace with God and the peace of God. And they're different. They're different. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.